Philippians 1 and 9 says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment that your love may abound still more and more. Then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. And then in 1 Thessalonians 4 and 10, we urge you, brethren, that you should increase more and more. So it says that your love may abound more and more. It says that you should abound more and more. And finally, that you increase more and more. Does anybody have an idea what my subject might be today? Say it after me, more and more. You may take your seats. Not all relationships exist at the same level of priority or the same level of intensity or the same level of closeness. Not all relationships exist at the same level of priority, intensity, or closeness. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philemon verse 1 and verse 2. Note the various levels of closeness and relationship that Paul mentions in this scripture. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. To the beloved Apphia, Archippus, our fellow soldier and to the church in your house. Starts out by calling Timothy a brother, calling Philemon a beloved friend and fellow laborer. Aphia, just beloved. Archippus, he calls him a fellow soldier. Different levels of closeness, different levels of relationship. Even Jesus shared different levels of relationship with the people who were around him. With the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and the priests who opposed him, he shared rebuke, and he shared correction. With the multitude that sought after him, he shared wisdom, miracles, provision. With the 70 of his followers, he shared empowerment and authority over demons. With the 12 disciples, he shared all that, plus strategy and insight and broader understanding and a greater percentage of his time with the 12. With the three insiders, Peter, James, and John, he shared his struggle. He shared his high moments and he shared his low moments. With only one, John, who was called the beloved disciple. John leaned on Jesus' breast 
and he shared the heart of Jesus. His relationship with John was so close that he said to John, after my departure, I entrust my mother into your hands. Take care of my mother. How many of you know there are levels of relationship that we share with the people who are around us? Level one, there are individuals with whom you probably will never speak. Individuals that you'll probably never meet. Have a spirit of kindness toward them. Be receptive to the fact that they are created by God, that they are members of the human family. You may at most share a nod or a brief hello with level one folk and never meet them again. But you should be willing to love everybody, even people that you don't know and your heart should be touched when you hear about disaster and tragedy across the world. And though you'll never meet these people, you have an obligation to do what you can to be helpful. Church of God in Christ, our Kojic Charities, we were aware of the great tragedy that took place in Baton Rouge a couple of weeks ago. Right away, we sent out $50,000 into the area, sent our teams into the area. And many people went to work and to assist and to volunteer in Baton Rouge. For many people whom we did not even know and would never meet. Level one. Then there's level two. The person with whom you happen to interact only once or very infrequently. The person who sits beside you on the plane or on the bus, a person that you share a waiting room, waiting to see the doctor with. But even there, the conversation should not always be about you. You should seek to create an appropriate atmosphere and have an appropriate discussion that's pleasant and preferable, not just to you, but also to the other person. Level two. Then there's level three the person with whom you must interact because they, in a prolonged way, occupy the same space that you occupy. You work at the same place. You're next door neighbors, you're members of the same organizations. But you seldom, if ever, go out of your way to interact with them in any significant way. They're, hello, how you doing? Good to see you type people. Level three. Level four, I suppose, would be the people whom you consider to be part of your circle, social circle of casual friends. You see one another occasionally. You greet one another warmly. You invite one another to events that you are mutually involved in. But if you call, there needs to be a reason why you call. The next level, level, what, what am I, level five. The next level, there doesn't need to be a reason for this level five person to call, but don't call every day. <laughs> call every once in a while to keep in touch. Keep the relationship intact. Check on the other people in your circle. Find out what's on the calendar, level five. Level six, there's a mutual understanding at level six that you are supposed to, no, you want to stay in touch frequently. 
You extend to one another the right to be a part of one another's life. And you give him the right to ask, why haven't I heard from you? Why haven't I seen you lately? Are you all right? That's level six. Level seven is the level where neither of you thinks of your life without the other person being in it. You want to share one another's joy and one another's sorrow. And that person is one of the first persons you call when something good happens. Let me tell you what happened in my life. And they're also the first person that you want to call when something bad happens in your life. Everybody say level seven. Then level eight. That's a level in which friendships blur into family relationships. And family relationships blur into friendship. Where your friend becomes like a brother or a sister, a mother or a father. Where your biological family is really your family, heart, soul, mind, and body. How many of you know everybody in your family is not a part of your circle of friends? Are you with me? But that's the way family relationships ought to be. And that's the way some friendships come to be. You've got friends that are closer than brothers and closer than sisters. That's level eight. Are you there? With the exception of your family, level eight and beyond relationships are very few and seldom in between. Are you with me on today? David and Jonathan may be an example of this level eight type relationship. In 1 Samuel 18 and 1, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Saul took David into his house on that day and would not let him go home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And David, Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. He gave them all to David. They took a covenant with one another. Level eight is that friendship that you have and say, man, I'm going to be your friend as long as I live on the earth. And you can call me. I've got your back. Aren't you glad if you have even one level eight friend in your life? Ruth and Naomi also portray this level eight type of relationship. In Ruth 1:14, they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her mother-in-law. And Naomi said, listen, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, you go with her. Return to your sister-in-law. But Ruth said to Naomi, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That's one of those friends to the end type of relationship. And you get in trouble when you are at a level seven and somebody else is at a level two. Tell your neighbor that's not really not going to work. 
gets to a different level when you love somebody and you are committed to them, but they don't love you as much as you love them. How many of you who have ever been or are now in love want the person that you love to love you less than you love them? No, when you get to that mutuality of level eight, then you've got a relationship that will last and sustain you throughout life. Can I talk to you today? The role of a faithful father functions at this level eight also. Father's not just a name. Father implies function. It implies relationship. A real father does not play an optional elective role in the lives of his children. His role is mandatory, authoritative. There are some things that he's supposed to do. If he's your father, he's obligated to love you, obligated to provide for you, obligated to prepare you for adulthood. And you are obligated to love him and respect him and obey him and become in every way the best person that you can become. And even if your father on earth was not perfect, was not ideal, was not the kind of father that he should have been, I just want to say that God should be seen as the ideal and perfect father. No father on earth like God. And if your earthly father failed you, I want to talk in this message today about a heavenly father who will never let you down. Malachi 2.10 said, Has we not all one father? And has not one God created all of us? And John said in John 1.12, As many as received Jesus to them gave he power to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. Paul got in on it in Galatians 4 and 4 and said, When the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And Paul went further in Romans 8 and 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, and if indeed we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. I preached a few weeks ago about the Lord is our shepherd. And I emphasized how God could be our shepherd. But today I want to emphasize and go a level higher and emphasize how God is our father. Come on, tell two people, God is my father. Oh, tell them with a passion, God is my father. Not tell them with an attitude, God is my father. Predominant sentiment that a father would have for his children is love. And the predominant sentiment that God the Father has toward us is love. God sent us a message in Jeremiah 31 and 3, and the Bible says the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And therefore with loving kindness have I drawn you. God loves you. God loves you more than you love yourself. God loves you with an irresistible, undying passion that will never wane or never reduce itself. And Jesus, the Son of God, is the highest expression of God's love for you. God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loved you so much that he gave the very best he had, the eternal son of God that had sat by his side from the beginning of glory, from the existence of the earth, that son that God loved, God gave that he might die for your sins, that you might have everlasting life. When he hung on the cross, God was hanging on that cross. And by that, he let us know that his love for us is the greatest force that has ever been unleashed on the face of the earth. How the heart of God must have ached when he looked at his son convulsing on a cross. How the heart of God must have ached as Jesus with nails in his hands, nails in his feet, died for your sins and mine. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ lets us know the level of commitment at which God expects his relationship with us to exist. I said the crucifixion of Christ lets us know the level of relationship that God has for us. God says, let me show you how much I love you. And he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, who showed us how much he loved us by dying on a cross for us. And so God says, okay, that's the level that I have in mind for our relationship. What level do you intend that our relationship should exist at? You don't want anybody coming in your life at a lower level of commitment than you have for them. If you love them, you want them to love you. Are you still with me? Read 1 John 3 and 1. For the Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Love makes you vulnerable. All parents know that we can be hurt by the plight, the condition, the behavior of our children. Is it possible that there is an area of vulnerability in God? Is there a place where God can be hurt? Is there the possibility of sorrow in the heart of God? All this seems to speak to me about a vulnerable God because love will make you vulnerable. To be vulnerable is to be susceptible to physical and emotional harm. I know that God cannot be diminished. I know that God cannot be harmed or handicapped, but listen to some of the things that the Bible says about God. In Genesis 6 and 5, the Bible says, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of men, that it was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of man's hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he grieved in his heart. And then in Ephesians 4 and 30, Paul said, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed unto the day of redemption. There's a way you can behave. There's a way you can think of God. There's a way you can relate to God that can grieve the very heart of Almighty God. 
You don't want to hurt God. You don't want to grieve God. You don't want to wound the heart or the mind of Almighty God. Some of us feel that if we reject God's way for us, then God shrugs his shoulders and moves on and says, I'll wait until later. But God goes into a period of grieving when we don't love him and appreciate him like he loves and appreciates us. God who loves us expects and deserves not only to be loved by us, but he deserves to be loved at the highest possible level. Come on, tell your neighbor, if anybody loves God, I ought to love him. If anybody praises God, I ought to praise him. You don't know how good God has been to me. Come on, tell them, you don't know how good God's been to me. God wants our love. He complained to the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3.15, I know your works, that you're neither cold or hot. I wish you were either cold or hot, but you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, and I will vomit you out of my mouth. I can't stand the taste of you because you're neither cold. You don't love me like I love you. He said to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2.4, there's one thing wrong. You don't love me as at first. You don't love me as much as you used to love me. Listen, somebody can turn on the love the day you meet them, the week you meet them, the month you meet them. Oh, they love you so much, can't keep their eyes off of you, can't stay away from you, but let some time go along. Four or five months later, they forget to call, they forget to come by, forget to hello. You still have the same passion and love for them, but they don't love you like they used to love you, and you can't stand, you can't survive with that kind of love. The relationship cannot continue. Lord, I wish I had a praying church. I'm talking some good stuff up here. Lord's gonna help some of you understand your relationship's much better. Help you not to fall in so quick. Don't fall in love all by yourself. Somebody asked a lady, what's the first thing you notice about a man? She said, well, whether he noticed me or not, that's the first thing I know. If he's not looking at me, then I can forget it and move on down the road. So the first thing I notice is whether he notices me or not. God wants our love for him to grow stronger every day. He wants our love for him to grow richer every day. And he wants us to have more and more love for him as time goes by. It's a dangerous thing to reject the love of God and the desire of God to be close to us. Number one, it's dangerous because our relationship to him lets us know that we're dependent on him. Listen, if you're dependent on somebody, you'd better focus on them and have some love for them. And the Bible says, in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. No living without him, no moving without him, no being without him. And there are too many things that we cannot control, too many forces that come against us, too many things that are more than we can handle. There are just too many for us to face it all by ourselves. We need God on our side. So we'd better put God high on the level of our agenda. 
David, when he thought about it, said in Psalm 61 and 2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. Aren't you glad you got a place you can go to? We need to focus on our relationship with God because God has focused on his relationship with us. We are high priority with God. Therefore, God ought to be high priority with us. He put us before himself. He's done so much for us. Have you ever done so much for somebody and they did nothing to contribute to the relationship or to make it higher? Listen, if anybody's done anything for you, God has done so much for you. Old folk used to say, he's done so much for me. I can't tell it all. God ought to be high priority in our lives because if we don't make God high priority, something else is going to step in and be high priority. But the only thing about something else that steps in is that no matter how much you love it, no matter how much you care for it, no matter how much you cherish it, when sickness strikes your body, when trouble walks up in your life, when you're down to nothing and you can't make it, that that you've been relying on and reaching out for is not going to sustain you. Only God can really step in and sustain you when the chips are down. Hallelujah. Something else will take his place. But the Bible says in Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. We need to get so close to God that nothing not like God, that nothing that would be detrimental to us can come in between us and the Lord. We need to maximize our relationship with God because only as we put priority on our relationship with God can we really live effectively and be fruitful. Jesus said in John 15 and 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, and neither can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, you can do nothing. You might have money in your pocket. You might have friends all around. You might have the best of education. But if you don't have God in your life, you can do nothing. You want to get close to God. Because if you're not close to God and productive, you can be cut off from God. You need to get close to God because when you leave God's presence, you leave God's protection. When you're with God, you are his responsibility. But when you go out on your own, you are your own responsibility. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I will fear no evil. Paul said in Romans 8 and 28, all things work together for good to those that love the Lord, who are called 
according to his purpose. Child of God, you need to get close to God because you have no real joy, no real peace until you're close to God. God is our peace. God is our security. God is our protection. The closer you get to God, the greater the blessing God can be in your life and in the lives of those that are around you. And so Paul said, I want your love to abound more and more. He said, I want you to abound more and more. And he said, I want you to increase more and more. So tell your neighbor, God is calling you to more and more. God wants you to reach higher and become better every day. Every day, he wants you to know him better. Every day, he wants you to conform to the word closer. Every day, he wants you to go higher. I'm pressing on. Hallelujah. I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm upward bound. Lord, say it, Lord. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, I'm glad to be saved, but I want more than that. Lord, I want the power of the Holy Ghost to be at work in my life. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Power to do my will. Power to do my work. And so, Lord, I'm glad that you saved me, but I want more. Raise your hand and say, Lord, I want more. I want the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to do what the Bible says. I give you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Power to do God's will. Power to have God's presence. I want the power. I want a life to back up my testimony. Lord, so I need you to keep me in the midst of trials and tribulations. Your word says you won't suffer me to be tempted above that I'm able, but you will with the temptation make a way of escape that I may be able to bear it. Lord, I don't want to try to live for you and fail and come short of the mark. Lord, through your anointing and through your power, keep me from evil in the name of Jesus. Sanctify me through your truth. But Lord, not only do I want to be filled, not only do I want to be sanctified, but Lord, I want to be close to you. I want to hear your voice. I want to feel your presence. Lord, keep me with a praise on my lips, a shout in my feet, with worship on my heart. Lord, I want to praise you. I want to praise you. I want to worship you. I want to be one of those 
that you are looking for. Jesus said the day is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For God is looking for a worshiper. Lord, if you're looking for a worshiper, here I am. Will you raise your hand and say, Lord, if you're looking for somebody to worship you, here I am. I've got to praise you. I've got to worship you. I've got to glorify your name when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all you've done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I wish somebody would stand up and say, hallelujah, glory. Thank God, thank God for saving me. Tell two people I've got a reason to praise the Lord. When I look back over my life and see how far the Lord has brought me, I've got to praise him. So I'm going by level one, moving on toward level two, going on to level three. Lord, I want more. Lord, I want better. Moving on to level four, level five, level six. Lord, I want to go higher. Lord, don't leave me here. Take me higher. Raise that hand and say, Lord, take me higher. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, Lord. Never get enough. Raise your hand and say, Lord, I'll never get enough. I want more power. I want more love. I want more of your presence. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to worship you. I'll never get tired of blessing your name. I was glad. Come on, neighbor, say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't like anybody to have to do anything for me. If you're a waiter in the restaurant, serve me with joy. Serve me with enthusiasm. Don't throw my cup of coffee down on the table and waste most of the coffee off in the saucer. Don't walk up to me, say, what do you want? No, tell me how glad you are. I came to your restaurant. I'm gonna spend my money. I want my food to be cooked just right. I want it to be served just right. God does not want us to praise him any old kind of way. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, if you're gonna praise the Lord, praise him with your whole heart. Praise him with your whole soul. Lord, I wanna praise you, but I want more. Lord, I wanna worship you, but I want more. You've done so much for me. I got to praise you. You brought me up out of sin and shame when I had nothing. You gave me everything that I have when I did not love myself. You loved me just the same when I was down and out. 
you reach way down and you pick me up, I've got to praise you. Oh, yeah. Help me praise the Lord. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, I need you to help me praise the Lord. He's been so good. He's done so much. Come on, let's praise him. Let's celebrate him. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've got to close. I've got to stop. But some people would say, I'm just not emotional. I'm not the kind of person that's given the strong outburst. If somebody gave you a million dollars, you get emotional. When you went to the ball game the other day, you got emotional. You even got emotional up in front of the TV. They didn't even know you were watching, but you were out there yelling and jumping up and down and trying to make things happen on the television. If you can get loud about television, if you can get loud about what you've got and what you're after and what happens in your life, you ought to get God. You ought to give God great praise because a great God deserves great praise. Hallelujah. That everything, everything that hath breath, praise Him. Praise Him. Hallelujah. Tell three people more and more. More and more. More and more. More and more. Lord, I want more power, joy, peace, more. I want to worship you. I want to praise you. Preacher, I still don't get it. Well, I know you don't get it. But would you get it if somebody gave you $2 million? I mean, would you be cool and calm if somebody gave you $2 million? What would you do if the doctor told you you're going to die tomorrow and you believed it and you got news that you were going to live? Whatever they were worried about is gone. It's cured. What would you do if God gave you life? Hallelujah. What would you do? What would you do? Somebody gave you a new house worth $2 million. What would you do if your world was turned around? And what you're worried about, what you would, would you do? Whatever you would do then, you ought to do it by faith right now. Because God is good. Hallelujah. Don't wait until the battle is over. Shout now. Celebrate now. Celebrate now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 
hands, everybody, and give God praise. Come on, give God praise. So what are you saying, Brother Preacher? I'm saying I want to be higher in God today than I was yesterday. I want my praise to be more forceful and full today than it was yesterday. Wherever the Lord takes me to, whatever level he helps me to reach, I want to tie a knot there and I want to go higher. I don't want to be less today than I was yesterday. I don't want to decline today from where I was yesterday. I, I want to go higher. Does anybody want to go higher? Anybody want to love the Lord more? I keep falling in love again, falling in love again, over and over again goes richer and deeper at the moment's time. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love again, falling in love again, over and over again. Does anybody love God more than you did yesterday? Anybody building that relationship higher than it was yesterday? I want to go on to level eight and then on by level eight because his love for me is infinite. I want my love for him to be unbounded and unrestricted. Did you get that message? Did you get the message? Did you, did you get what I'm trying to say? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship Let it be a sweet, sweet sound. And let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your I want to pray for somebody. I want to pray for somebody who does not know the Lord. Somebody who's not saved, whose sins are not forgiven. God has wrought many miracles in your life. But you've not really responded by giving your life to him. God reaches out to you and blesses you because he wants to save you and draw you to himself. God has reached out to you many times and today he's reaching out to you again and you may never hear another gospel invitation. You may never have another opportunity to say, Lord, since you've loved me so much, I want to serve you, I want to love you. If you're here today and you know you need God, I'll pray for you right where you are. Right where you are, every sin you've ever committed can be forgiven. You can become a child of God. While every head is bowed, if you would say, Preacher, I need God. And I realize that my relationship with God has been the missing thing in my life. I want to be saved. I want to give my life to the Lord. That's you. I need to know to pray for you. And I'll know to pray for you if you'll lift your hand. If you'll just say, Preacher, by the lifting of your hand, pray for me. 
I want to be saved. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. Lift that hand, my brother. Lift it, my sister. I need God. I want to be saved. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I see that hand. Come on, balcony. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you. Love God like he loves you, and there's nothing that God will not do. All things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. If you love the Lord, the Lord will transform your life and make it greater and better than it ever could be. Lift that hand, please, if that's you. Pray for me, preacher. I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to be saved. And dear Lord, we pray for those hands uplifted, come into their lives, set them free, draw them to yourself. Let them never be the same again. We want the more of you. We want to love you more, serve you more, worship you more, praise you more. Be more like you in the name of Jesus. Lord, let that increase be in our lives. Bless these who lift their hands now. Let their lives be transformed by your power. Pray these words after me, please. Dear Lord, I want to be saved. Please forgive me for the wrong I have done, the wrong I have been. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died for me. I believe he arose from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I give my life to him. I thank you, Lord. I am forgiven. I am saved. I have the presence of the Lord at work in my life. Come on and praise God. Come on and praise the Lord. Come on and praise the Lord.